Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Welcome everyone. I am excited that you are here both in person and online. If we have not met yet, my name is Amanda and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're in person and you haven't met me yet, I would love to chat with you after the gathering. You can find me around. Who knows where I'll be, but I will be around. The last two weeks, uh, we have been in our fall launch series, which is based on our five marks of a disciple. And these marks are growth, pursuit, community, service, and mission. And the reason, reason that we use these as benchmarks for a disciple is that Crosspoint has taken time to study scripture in the life of Jesus and realize that a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is doing these five things. This year, as we work through the five marks of a disciple, we've also been understanding them by looking at, them, looking at the lifestyle of Jesus. So the last two weeks, Pastor Micah has looked at growth and pursuit. And I would encourage you to look back uh, and watch them again online. You can look, find them on our YouTube page, website, or Facebook page. And while you're on your phone and the internet, you can look at the Disciples Life Inventory, which is on our website under the Sermon Notes section, which will give you, an, give you time to reflect on where you're at in your spiritual life and help you take the next steps and continue to grow. And for our families here in this room, Pastor Delaney and Rebecca have put together a discipleship guide for families. Because let's be real, when we get in the groove of things, it can be hard to think outside the box on how to engage kids in discipleship. But at Crosspoint, we believe that everyone, no matter their age, is on a discipleship journey. This guide also prompts parents with questions that help you to consider how you can provide these opportunities at home. So please check it out on out with sermon notes or at thecrosspointchurch.ca slash family discipleship. And so this week we are taking time to look at community, which I find super interesting because last week Pastor Micah looked at pursuit and in that focused on silence and solitude. And now the expectation is for me to come back up on stage and talk about community even though he just talked about silence and solitude. But the reality is, is that if we're looking at the life of Jesus, he did silence and solitude and community. Different sides of the same coin. And introverts, this is where Micah was encouraging us to re-engage. Yes, we can enjoy that silence and solitude, but we have to re-engage in community. And it's important here to think through, what is community? Well. In this context, it's not the TV show where Netflix never put out the last season, so I don't know how it ends. <laughs> it's not necessarily the community that you live in. Instead, when looking at community, it is when a disciple engages in intentional, deep relationships with a small group of other disciples. This group shares transparent, transformational, and loving relationships as they seek to build each other up. Sharing in transparent, transformational and loving relationships. And I can stand here all day and exclaim, we all need to engage in deep relationships. We all need to engage in deep community. But how do we do that? And how do we do it well? 
How do we engage in commu deeper community? Let's look at the people who served alongside Jesus and what they did to engage in deeper community post-resurrection. So if you have your Bible, either digital copy or paper copy, if you're looking for a paper copy, we have some along the back. Uh, they are bright blue, so they are hard to miss. But if you have your Bible, let's turn to Acts 2, starting in verse 42. So Acts begins after the resurrection. Jesus has already resurrected. He's reappeared to the disciples. He's come back. He's talking to them. And in Acts 2, Jesus has actually already ascended back into heaven. And Peter is preaching during Pentecost. And Peter is calling uh, the Jewish people to see Jesus as the Messiah. Then we get to Acts 2.42. And this is one of the first accounts of the early church and them working together. So let's read together, Acts 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. I do genuinely love these verses and the idea of community working together on many things. They knew exactly what was going on in each and every one of their lives. And they did life together. And when you do life with people in such an intimate way, it becomes really hard to hide who you are. You need to become transparent. And the first way we can engage in deeper community is by being transparent. And the definition of transparent is to be fine or sheer enough to see through, but also free from pretense and deceit. Do not hide the true you from the people around you. And these disciples knew how to do this by looking at the way of Jesus and that he was transparent in his life. But here, these disciples become transparent by sharing their home and breaking, together, break, breaking bread together at the table. The table. The place to eat has always been a vulnerable place. Way back in the day, they used to have cupbearers, and this person's role was to serve drinks to the royal table and royal family because the royals were always afraid of being poisoned. This role was so important and so key, and it was given to someone of great trust. Can you imagine always being in fear that you might die of poisoning every time you drink something? It's a little crazy. But the table has changed over time. Annie Fischel, the executive director of the Family Dinner Project and a podcast with Harvard EdCast, says that only 30% of families eat dinner together during the week. 30%. The dinner table can be in a vulnerable, transparent place where people can come to share their thoughts, make big decisions, and connect with those around them. But only 30% of families are actually taking time to sit down together during the week. And 60% are never having dinner together at all. Being transparent allows people to see every aspect of your life. The problem with this is that we don't really want people to see our lives. We keep them hidden behind closed doors, afraid of what people might actually think of us. 
but Jesus goes into people's homes, and that's where great work is done. We can look at the story of Mary and Martha sitting at Jesus' feet in their homes. The centurion and his dead daughter, Jesus works a miracle in that home and brings her back to life. And if we look at Luke 24, 28 and onwards, post-ascension, Jesus has already come back. He went to the disciples in a very transparent way. He had just been resurrected, died and come back and appeared to them in their home. He was setting the scene for them to now in Acts 2 be able to be transparent and open to people in the open their homes to people. Home is a place to be transparent and grow in deeper community. I have a friend, and him and his wife have established in their life the idea of toast culture. And I mean, like, frozen bread in the toaster, you put it down, and then it pops up, and it scares you every single time, even though you know it's going to happen. That kind of toast culture, not the toast. Um, but anyways, the idea of toast culture, that if they have nothing else to offer, if they have nothing else to serve, no matter the physical state of their home, and they have two very tiny little humans running around, they will definitely have toast, butter, and maybe some peanut butter to serve. They're like, we don't know, maybe. And I love that idea, that their door is open to anyone and everyone, and even if everything seems to be falling apart, they will still offer toast. And the home is where you get to really know a family and get to know people. I started in January of 2020, so right before COVID. And so COVID hit, and I had to find very creative ways of connecting with the youth and their families. And one of these ways was by bringing a Tim Hortons drink and a treat to a youth and their home. And we would just sit in their backyard and just chat, and I would get to know them and their family. Their family would always just be around, kind of like lingering, kind of like. And let me tell you, once you know the family unit, the child usually makes a lot more sense. <laughs> On many occasions, I would get back in my car and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. James K.A. Smith in his book, You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Habit, uh, The Spiritual Power of Habit, says that our households, our little kingdoms, need to be nourished by constant recentering in the body of Christ. Week after week, we bring our little kingdom, kingdoms into the kingdom of God. Our homes, our tables need to be built in community, not just left alone and occasionally brought back. These disciples were allowing people into their homes, and it was no longer their home, but everyone's home. And they weren't just so serving toast and butter, but making sure that everyone was fed all the time. As some of you know, I attended a Cape Henry campus after I graduated from high school before I went to Vanguard College. And for those who don't know what Capenry is, it is a gap year program for people to study the Bible for about six months of the six, three to six months. And they have campuses all over the world, which means I spent six months studying the Bible with this group of people right here. And at Capenry, you live together, you study together, you eat together. We were in a town of less than 2,000 people. These were my only friends. 
there was no one else to hang out with. <laughs> but there is something about having to learn and live together with the same group of people that builds a connection like no other. I could tell you stories upon stories upon stories of my time at Cape and Ray, and you would look at me and go, what? That's not a funny story, Amanda. But if I bring it back up to these people who I stay in contact with, we all laugh together in, re in remembering those memories. And so the second way we can follow the way of Jesus and engage in deeper community is by learning together. The really cool thing about being a disciple is that they literally follow around one teacher or rabbi. It's like trying to take a specific class with your favorite teacher. But then being able to be instructed and shaped by this teacher to now teach the subject yourself. And that's what the disciples of Jesus are now doing in Acts. They are now instructing the community around them on what is going on and how to do things. They are remembering what Jesus has taught them and are now applying it to themselves. They weren't letting their community become stagnant and to stop growing because they, because they knew that they had to make disciples. And now the disciples are engaging in community by going to the temple and learning every day. They don't stop because Jesus is no longer with them, but they continue to do it because that's what they've learned to do and they continue to learn together. But the other aspect that we don't always enjoy about learning is being corrected and needing to admit when we're wrong. But that's part of growth. And this isn't an easy thing to do, to stand in front of a group of people and admit when you're wrong or have a teacher call you out when you're wrong. But that's what happens when we learn better ways to do something. Last year in the youth ministry, I had two Vanguard practicum students. I have them this year as well. Uh, they're wonderful humans. And I gave them the task of putting together a Clyde event. And for some of you, you might remember when we did mini golf and bowling. It was a wonderful event. It was the, across the entire church. They did a wonderful, wonderful, amazing job. So just to give a little bit of context, when I put together a Clyde event, I spend between three to five hours setting it up and putting it together from start to finish. I believe these Vanguard practicum students put in over 10 hours of work with the help of many other leaders. So it was a lot of work and a lot of setup and a lot of time. And they learned a lot from that experience. So this year, when I gave them the task of, again, planning another Clyde event, they have chosen to go with something significantly easier and that will require less setup and less time. Still the exact same amount of fun, but a little bit easier. And while their first event wasn't wrong or bad, it was incredible, they learned and will admit that they probably won't do it again in the near future. But we see this across the Bible as well, that to learn together also means to be corrected. When Aaron was going to instate his sons as priests, but instead they got drunk and went to the temple and offered unauthorized fire to the Lord in Leviticus 10, 1 to 20, the rest of the priests learned how to behave in the temple based on what happened. Ananias and Sapphira are another example of being corrected for their actions when they lied to the Lord in Acts 5. Now, both of these examples end in death. And so, like, that won't necessarily happen to you when you need to be corrected. But if you don't take those steps to accept when you're wrong and you need to learn to continue to grow, you will stunt your growth. 
you will continue um, to stunt your growth as a follower of Jesus. Both of these examples negatively impacted the community around them as well. They put up barriers and wouldn't be transparent with the people around them, and they weren't allowing themselves to be transformed. Because when you learn, you don't stay the same. I wasn't the same person when I left for Cape Rain September of 2015. When I left, I thought to myself I was going to come back and go to Nate to be a paramedic. In March of 2016, I came back and was like, I'm going to Vanguard to be a pastor. So we know whose plan works out. So when you learn something, oftentimes you want to share it with the world as well. Kids at school are a great example of this. At youth, um, we actually had to ban a few words, um, like globalization, because one of the youth got really, really excited because they were learning about globalization in a social studies class, and that's all they would talk about. And we finally looked at them and said, stop. We know you're excited, but please stop talking about it. Those with school-age kids would probably also know the same. I'm sure my parents have stories about times I would come home from school and just talk about one subject forever and ever. But you become transformed by the things around you. The disciples were being transformed and they were allowing room for growth. These Jewish people at the beginning of Acts 2 were not the same when Peter finished talking to them. They knew that they had to change their viewpoints and they did. But how often do we want to share about the community and our life and the great work of Jesus? When was the last time you sat in community, learned together, and then went out and told your neighbors or your coworkers about what you learned? If you go back to that chapter in Luke 24, you can see the disciples have been transformed. They have learned and grown together and are now wanting to be transformed by Jesus to know what it means to go out and make disciples because that was, is what they've been instructed to do. They want to spend time with him and grow with him. And Jesus knows what he, Jesus know he knows he wants to share all that he can with his people before ascending. And I think these disciples in the early church are also doing a great thing of loving each other. That by desiring to know one another, they begin to love each other. And the third way we can follow the way of Jesus and engage in deeper community is by loving each other. If we look at Acts 2, it sounds like they weren't doing it out of force, but because they wanted to. The greatest commandment that Jesus gives is to love the Lord your God and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible isn't full of quinkadinks and instead is meant to show us and draw us back to loving God. And we can grow, it, and we can grow in the ways of Jesus by loving others. And trust me, it's hard. But have you ever asked God to reveal to you how he loves someone? To open your eyes, to love them like he loves them? Because your heart becomes softened and you will start to love them as well. When Paul expands in Colossians 3.14 to put on love, what he's really saying here is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an important part of community, to be surrounded by people that know you so that, they can, so that they can love you. At the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we read about Adam walking in the garden all by himself. And God said, it is not good for man to be alone. We need people in our lives. And part of this loving community is having people around you even on your toughest days. 
but it's interesting to note that Jesus was alone at the cross on his toughest day. None of the disciples were there. There were crowds of people around, but his closest people, the disciples, had run away. And I believe it's because and so that we can see the impact of him dying on the cross, that to have one person who loves you enough to die for you is amazing. And that it was Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Messiah, so that we can look to them, look to him as an example, and look to him as someone who loves his community so well. But part of loving each other is also correcting each other again. We don't sit in the infatuation stage of a friendship forever and pretend that the other person has no issues. I mean, Jesus did this to Peter quite frequently. How many times did he call him out? And I'm also curious. I'd love to be on a fly on the wall, post-ascension, just when the apostles, disciples were all gathered together to see if like Andrew or like Matthew or like Thomas called out John for claiming to be the one whom Jesus loved. Just, you know, to be like, dude, knock it off. Jesus loved us all. That's why he went to the cross. You're not the only one. Like, calm down. Chill. I would, would have loved to see that conversation. And I want to take a moment here to address community and the tunnel vision that we can get as humans sometimes. That we get stuck in the idea that we can only find community with the people who are at similar life stages as us. Newly married, with toddlers, elementary age kids, empty nesters. I want to challenge you here that you can have community with people at different life stages than you. And yes, I am standing up here as a single woman in her mid-20s, saying to you to invite me over for dinner. <laughs> Let me learn from your families. Let me sit at the dinner table with you. Invite the families over with tiny humans who will destroy your house in a matter of seconds. But the parents will be so thankful that they have a community of people investing in them. Invite over that elderly couple who you can learn from and hear their stories. Invite over those college-age kids who have no family in the area or in the city at all. Yes, I have a lot of friends who are also single and in their mid-20s, but the friendships I do have with people who are older than me, who are married with kids, I love those relationships just as much. And it's natural to find people like yourself but I don't think this community here in Acts was just made up of men in the early to mid-20s because that's who the disciples were. And instead, I think there was a mosaic of people who needed each other and needed to be transparent to learn and to be loved. How does being transparent, learning together, and loving each other point us in the ways of Jesus' life? Well, he did all of those things. He set an example for us on how to do them well. He desires us to know, desires us to grow to be more like him, and we can't just stop at one or two of these things. And if you don't have community, here's what you can do. You can join a home group. Join a serving team. Don't just come to Sunday mornings and leave right away. Learn to be part of the body of Christ. 
talk to a staff member, talk to a volunteer, literally talk to anyone here, and we would love to tell you about ways you can be involved. It isn't good to do life alone, so find people to do it with. The Five Mark series is meant to encourage you and challenge you to take inventory of your life and look for ways to grow as a disciple of Christ. So do you have a community of like-minded believers that can be transparent, learn with, and love? This process of growth will never be done on this side of heaven. And take that as an encouragement, that you can continue to grow, can, can, you can continue to grow and that it isn't a race, but a way to continue to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I am thankful for this community of like-minded people who love you. And so, Father, I pray for those who feel like they aren't part of it yet. I pray that they would talk to someone this morning, that they would have the courage and boldness to reach out. That, Father, we would also, as the community of Christ, have the boldness and courage to reach out to them as well. Father, you are a good God that loves us and does not want us to be alone. And so, instead, I pray that we would do life with each other, leaning on your Holy Spirit when we can be transparent, learn, and love. I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.